everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Alice. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And it's the first week of the month, and that means we are joined by none other than... Evan Von Doom. <laughs> wow, he's here. He's queer. He's looking at you. No, never mind. <laughs> Consensually. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, before you he's... listen to that episode, that little checkbox we had you fill, that's that's what that was for. Thank you yeah. for that. We appreciate it. Sorry about that. Yo, today, one of my coworkers said, we're here. We're queer. And I said, I'm not. And he gave me this look. And he's like, really? <laughs> I was like, no. And he's like, huh. Fooled me. And I had to sit with that for the next two hours at work. <laughs> I was like, it's the gay fourth, as hell, boy. Look I was you. like, it's the fourth grade all over again. <laughs> Damn. Is that why you listen to so much Macklemore? You just like relate to him? Yeah, you know, I was like <laughs> <laughs> I like thrift shopping. I had a shitty haircut for a while. <laughs> that you did. Wait, what was your shitty haircut? It was blonde. Mm. Is that what made it shitty? Yeah, yeah, I bleached my hair and I was like, this is gonna be awesome. All the oh. cool cats are doing it. And then it was so bad. I and it was like a week you. after I started dating Addison. And Ooh. she was like being nice about it. And then about a month in, she's like, are you going to go back to Brown? Because like, man, this is not working for me. I was like, oh. It's like, I must have made a strong impression if I messed it up a week in and you st- <laughs> stuck around. So I was just imagining you with frosted tips. I couldn't get that image out of my <sighs> There's yeah, this. That, that would have been better. There's this horrible really? picture. Of me backlit on a stage that looks exactly like the heat miser. <laughs> and I'm never going to show you ever. Like, please, um, send me this picture when we're done. I know you he can. deleted I his Instagram. I can't get it anymore. What? I'm, I, I have, have Instagram for like a year somewhere. I mean, I got it on my phone, but it's not getting out there. The public will never see heat miser Dallas. What was your Instagram name? Uh, It's gone. Like fully deleted. What, what was it? It was Dallas underscore Meeks. Evan's like, I'm going to pull a neb today. You're going to see me pull up some FBI skills you never saw before. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. That's not you. (laughs) This is not you. It's not. (laughs) This is so funny if it was. But it's not. I'm sorry. Can I send images over Zencaster? I don't know. Text him to me. But we'll oh, no. do that. Text that? me too. For this is not him. Today's episode, we will be covering the Marvel Comics summer blockbuster event, Infinity, written by Jonathan Hickman with art from Lionel Francis Yu and Jim Chung and others. It was incredible. While they're all giggling and laughing at text messages, I am going to fill you in on a secret, dear listener. Infinity is part of my comic book secret origin. Oh, this is going to be great. So the year was whatever year Infinity came out, 2013. And I, a little precocious Dallas, was at Barnes & Noble. And for whatever reason... My Barnes and Noble carried a select few Marvel single issue comic books over in the magazine section. So I was walking by there and I saw 
Deadpool comic books and Spider-Man comic books. And I said, I hear a lot about this Deadpool guy. I like superhero movies a lot, but I don't know anything about Deadpool. Maybe I'll try out his comics. And so I picked up two issues of Jerry Duggan's Deadpool. I picked up two issues of Superior Spider-Man, and I went home with those. I read them. I loved them. I looked up, where do you buy comic books? And lo and behold, I found out about comic book stores, specifically the one by me called Heebie-Jeebies. So I went on down to Heebie-Jeebies in desire of more comic books because I loved the ones I read. I show up and I just start perusing the shelves. I put a little stack together. And in that stack, dear listener, were the first two issues of Infinity. And they swept me away. Going back for new issues of Infinity was the reason I got into visiting the comic store on a weekly basis. Because I understood that this number two, in the back, it said next month and had a date under it, which I was like, hey, that's helpful. It said Infinity number three. And so I knew I could come back and start reading. I was very confused by the second printing cover of Infinity 1. There was a cover with Thanos on it, and then there was a cover with Captain America on it, and they both said Infinity 1, and that was spiraling me. So I just like (sighs) rolled the dice, because I didn't know who Thanos was, and I just picked the Captain America one. And it seemed like once I opened up the other one, the next time I went, it was the same comic book I'd already read. So I dodged that silver bullet, but I almost bought it twice, which I think is why they do alternate covers. This was your first experience with Thanos? Yeah. That's crazy. I love that. Yeah. He was at the end of Avengers, but I I don't know who that guy was. There's a weird purple-headed guy in the end credit scene that was like, <laughs> it's me, big purple head. And that was all I had. So this was my exposure to a lot of crap. I found out who a Thanos was at the same time I found out who an ex Nihilo was and who a star brand was. So this comic carries a lot of weight for me. I want to know where were you all when you first read infinity and what were your opinions? I could start cause I was at work today. <laughs> you started this today? No, I didn't start it today. I started it yesterday. Okay. But oh, I finished it today. I read half of it yesterday. I actually tried. Okay? Sorry. We're yeah. we're recording this early because of me. So I was like, I can't not show up and not have read it. Because that would have been me. I subjected everybody to do it. So it's only fair. Mm-hmm. But I was at work today. And when I tell you about the joke that we made last week about it being a new boob summer, this is not what I meant. I did not sign up for the amount of boobs and butts in this patch of of work. It was a little bit of a jump scare. I said, oh, I like those and this is scary. (laughs) That one issue with With the golden lady? Like like Lionel Francis Yu was on cake duty for this whole run, but that specific character, he was like, I'm going to make... The most Alexa, right? The most stacked character in Marvel Comics history. I'm gonna make Carol Danvers look like a bottom. 
Here we go. Some Something was going on. <laughs> something was going on in that man's life. And I need to know if he's okay now. I need to know if he's better. I need to know if he's was like- Was he married? Was he getting a divorce? You know how <laughs> bad you gotta divorce, be? Babes. You know how bad you gotta be for sapphic dom imagery to be too much for Anne? <laughs> You have a big old caked woman just choking you out for Anne to be like, this is a little much. <laughs> you have crossed the event horizon. <laughs> you are approaching spaghettification for Anne to be like, a little much gold mass choking my POV character. Calm the fuck down. There's a lot happening in that issue that <laughs> rubs me the wrong way from time to time. But I'm tell- there's a way to do it where you're like, okay, this is this is subtle. This is sexy. I get it. I see what you're going for. Hey, you nailed it. Like, Dan Mora does it all the fucking time. Um, whoever the fuck drew that one panel of Wonder Woman that everyone shares every five seconds on Twitter where she's just crossing her legs. Has everyone fucking losing their minds every five hours on Twitter. There's ways to do it. The moment you get to, like, the boob socks and also the moment where I start seeing nipples through costumes, you lose me. You're trying too hard. You're like, what's what's really erotic? Boobs and nipples. I'm going to show them as much as possible. And you lose me. Story about space people and gods. The moment I see boob socks, I'm like, that's unrealistic. I'm out. I can't do it. Checked out. Done. So are you saying you think ex Nihila, those are boob socks or just nippleless breasts? I'm talking about Carol Danvers. I know. I'm just... Golden lady, oh, the golden fine. people are nude She's and gen and genitalless, right? Yeah, they're just naked. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no clothes yeah. going on. So that's why I'm like, why are you drawing Carol Danvers the exact same way? That that was where I drew the line. I'm like, I'm confused. I am confused. There was a panel like three issues later where Carol Danvers has an ass the size of a moon. I'm like, that's no moon. That's Carol Danvers' ass. It was insane. It was absolutely oh insane. I'm is, like, wow. Is he also gets like a shot just randomly, like when. Everyone's walking away after she's like making out with Cannonball, and then sometimes oh, he's too. just like, "Yeah, he's just like, what are you guys doing? I'm making fun of you. I'm part of this relationship now too." And then they all walk out, and then just randomly, it's just like she's off in the corner, and just like the biggest <laughs> fucking ass I've ever seen in my life. I feel like Al Pacino at that moment. I, I no, think I got it. it. I think I think he just watched The Incredibles at the time, or he had like The Incredibles on the background at the same time, fair. and that was his reference for every woman in this book. I think so. It just made me laugh so hard because I felt like there were so many, like I can't more than ten at least different panels that I was like, he put more effort into that butt than anything else on this page. <laughs> Appreciate it. And but hey, you know, but <laughs> But <laughs> I, I can forgive it if you're giving your women something to do. Like Ed Benz is on all of like most of Gail Simone's Birds of Prey, and it's Gail Simone's Birds of Prey. So you don't care. You're like, okay, there's action. The ladies get character, and there's cheesecake too. Everyone wins. But when this one happens, and you relegate Carol's action scenes to Kelly Sue DeConnick, and you're like, you know what? I don't, I don't feel like spending more than five seconds researching what this character can do. Kelly, you got this right. That's girl shit. Just pass it over to her. She's got this. And you get a kick-ass issue of Captain Marvel, but you slap Carol Danvers on an Avengers issue and say she's in this one, and she spends the entire thing being dommy mommied. It sounds fun, but it's not as fun in in in, in context. Okay, that's my my hater arc for this. I I told you I had to get it out. I had to get I had to get my revenge. That's my hater arc done. Fair. That's fair. Evan, did Until you we get hear to the that they, they don't like the artist that made Sunspot definitively black in these issues. I did just hear that. That's really no. anti-boys, boys, boys. No, you didn't do that to us. There has to be different colors. There has to be someone else. Hold up. I'm looking through. 
It's a little peculiar. Just got, mm. just got canceled on Twitter again. Oh shit. Mm. <laughs> oh, just kidding. He was uh, always black. It's from his origins. It's true. So yeah. yeah, yeah, Dallas. In his origins, he faces racism. <laughs> I just always, I these shots from that issue of Avengers are always the ones they put next to that one shot of him from Krakoa. Yeah, where he's like basically was... a white guy, and they're always like, "Which of these is the character Marvel?" And so when and I, I, like, just... I went <laughs> past this one, I was like, "Hey, hey. it's a meme in the wild." <clears throat> it is crazy though, because not that this is extreme or anything, but those are to like opposite extremes. He's not like he was never portrayed to look like this dark or with this kind of hairstyle or everything. And I love this hairstyle; I love the way he looks in this. Mm-hmm. But ever being like real, he did have more like you know different hair he didn't have like the nappier hairstyle and like i said i like this one better i think it's very funny that you could go from one book where he doesn't look like this at all like the same run and everything and i think it was like issue apart he shows up doesn't look like this at all then this issue he does the next issue he does and the next issue he does and it's just a fun time that's just like the history of him in a nutshell like he can't escape it oh. and yeah. show us. i'm assuming someone's ass yeah, so I'm thinking it's up. an ass. Yeah, that's an ass. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. We were yeah, having a deep conversation, but thank you. Yeah, we were having a deep cut conversation, but since oh, we're showing it? ass yeah. anyway, look at this. I got you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Fully insane. Just this was. Oh, do you want to have an actual conversation about the the themes of this comic and shit? Yeah, we should probably what? do that. No, we we're talking about like the race of a character and how he was whitewashed throughout the history of his uh, exception. But you know, why don't we just talk about you know comics? And so what you want to talk about? I'm being. Oh, come on. I want to go. Tell us more about how you feel about asses. Mute myself. You know who's being a real ass right now, Ann? Me. All right. So. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Annihilus is in this. So I'm very happy about that. That's my boy. When they're like, do you you understand why someone would want to kill their child? And Annihilus goes, yes. I just like just the deepest, like that. far away. Just him, like yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, honestly, <laughs> like I know Hickman cut out like a full page of I was just like staring at him, just like turning to him and just staring at him, going, "I mean, no." no. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever is socially acceptable. I think that this event is the perfect example of left hand free Jonathan Hickman because you have like I'm here with a grand architecture Jonathan Hickman and then you have Alt J's left hand free starts to play in the background (laughs) and he just like just do cool shit say cool shit just pew pew we're all walking to explosions Jonathan Hickman and there's nothing in between and this was the latter (laughs) like there was just so much of this book that was like what would be the most kick ass thing we could do and they would do it, and you'd be like, oh, that was crazy. Did you yeah. see Thor throw that hammer around the sun? That was crazy. I feel like like when we talk about like the Ultimate Universe and like other comics sometimes, uh, we will talk about how sometimes they try to do like a satirical moment, or they'll talk about you know some other, like a bigger idea, and there'll be some type of criticism about it. And we usually like criticize a lot, like, like again with the Ultimate Universe, how they drop the ball a lot of times on that satire. Like, especially with Mark Millar's real world politics and how they trickle into like what he's trying to say in the comics. So they kind of like get mixed messages. And Hickman kind of avoids that because he's really good at going bigger worldly and like 
focusing on the characters and how they feel about things and everything. But the one time I feel like maybe we could kind of like maybe miss the ball a little bit is where he's he has like Gladiator, Annihilus, and Ronan the Accuser fight Black Dwarf. And mind you, this is like a dictator and like two different empires who like colonize multiple planets across the entire universe. And so they're fighting Black Dwarf and they call him a villain. And then he's just like, how am I the villain? Like, well, how are you guys like the arbitrators of like deciding who what's right and wrong? You're in like, you're a dick. Like you have an annihilation wave at your whim and control that you try to destroy everyone with. You two are like dictators and like an imperial guard for like the biggest em- empire in the universe. How are you guys going to judge me? And then the answer to that is just like, or, oh, he says, <laughs> what person with real power speaks of such things, right or wrong, good and evil? Who believes it? And then Rotocuser just says, I do. And you have been judged. And then he kills him. I think it's supposed to be like a really cool moment. And I can't tell if Hickman's like agreeing with him or if he's just being like, this is what they would do in character. That's like the only moment where I was like kind of questioning like Hickman would like, what was, this is a sick moment. It's really cool. But even at that moment, as soon as it happened, I was like, hell yeah. What? That's not an answer. I mean, it's an answer for Ronan. That's something he would say. But Hickman, you build up to that. Like, is that really your answer to this question? Or is this like something you're really going to explore more? later with like adventures world and everything so that's that's yet to be seen by me but if i if i had to assign that meaning it almost feels like a parallel to what the new avengers what the illuminati is kind of doing at this moment where it's like they're going to start being really bad people because they think that their option is the only good one and who decides that they do because you know they just decided yeah did not vote on it Sorry, I was just saying my only like retort to that would be in this context, Ronan was right though. Like he was fighting mm-hmm. a quote unquote greater evil than his That's a good point. Empire, which mm-hmm. even in the context, like there's a giant war going on and this these people are trying to like uh destroy one planet to get at one kid. So I think in this context, Ronan's right. So if we parallel them, it is then the story saying that the Illuminati is also doing the right thing by playing this judge jury quick little plug as you're listening to this everybody below it in the feed there's an interview with ram v and i and ram v talks about as a storyteller and jonathan hickman talks about this as well in interviews his goal is not to didactically present morality plays where it's here's a character that's going to do the right thing so you can learn what the right thing is he said he likes to present complex situations and questions they don't doesn't feel like have good answers because then every reader can come to their own conclusion and answer. And I, I feel like this scene is a little bit of that and new Avengers is a little bit of that where it's, is it right to fight a greater evil with a lesser evil? Like is either of those actually good? And I feel like that's a question that Hickman returns to a lot, right? It's here. It's in new Avengers. I think it's all over his work with Krakoa. Uh, it's all over like the Black Monday murder, or I'm sorry, the Manhattan projects that we'll talk about later, where he said, there is evidence in our world of times that the quote unquote good guys tapped evil people to help them fight greater evil. How do we feel about that? And I feel like this scene is just a really condensed version of that question for you to chew on. 
And I don't know that Jonathan Hickman is saying one way or the other. It, I like I don't know that Jonathan Hickman would be like, and I agree with Ronan the Accuser. Like I think Ronan the Accuser agrees with Ronan the Accuser, but I don't know that that's like Jonathan Hickman's great statement on that question. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I don't think it's like him make, making a definitive stance one way or another. But I do feel like it's the one time where it wasn't really great to me in the reading of it. Because we had them question before when they were first teaming up with that. And I questioned this too when they had like a council in the meeting, like the first issue. And Annihilus is there. And I'm just like, is no one going to talk about this? That the, the guy who brought the Annihilation wave and like try to kill you guys like what, a year ago from this standpoint? Like he's just here on the council now. And he died and came back in like two years. Is that that was gonna, all right? Cool. So like that was something I kind of just got over. But in in that scene though, I think, and I think a scene after that, they do question like, are these the people we're really going to listen to or we're going to work with? And then they kind of all like eventually learn or like you know they like kind of shun off their masters and everything. You know, Ronan like attacks the Kree uh, Supreme and everything, and Gladiator, I guess just does his thing because he's gladiator. He does his own thing. Annihilation or Annihilation, same uh, deal, but they do have that questioning already. And there's already kind of a dialect started with that. So I was just kind of, this is like the one moment though, where that conversation happens. There's a sick ass answer and then a sick ass moment. And everything kind of feels very much good about it. <laughs> like there's nothing in that moment, unless you're like me, who's like, I guess trying to nitpick a little bit, <laughs> but there's nothing, everything, even in that moment, I was just like, hell yeah. Huh? Wait, hold on. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like I was the only one. I think everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kept going. And so like they could ponder it later, like look at it again when they have the conversation again, because it does keep coming up in this and uh, in all of Hickman's works. But I thought it was, it was really funny. There's this one moment where like we have a very straightforward, hell yeah, I do make the rules here moment. So that is true. I, I mean, and that's on reading Ultimate Comics, honestly, is hell yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> This is A for France. Yeah. What? Wait, what? just to... a the I... biggest one of those for me is when Captain America goes to beat the shit out of Hank Pym. Mm. Like, Hell yeah. Wait. <laughs> Wait a... What is going on in this comic book? <laughs> you really start to read it again, and you're like, what? What oh, am I reading? I gotta go outside. Oh. <laughs> um I think it would be worthwhile at this point. I think we're going to be hopping around a lot in our discussions about this event. Maybe I can take a step back and give like a three minute, like what is infinity for the listener that may not have read this since 2013 or may not have read this ever. So infinity is the midway point, like big event of Jonathan Eggman's run. This closes out the first omnibus. This closes out a lot of the plot lines that were started in issue one of the Avengers where the builders, the people who created our universe, our gods, basically, realize that everything dies and the incursions are happening. And the only way to save their creation, the universe, is to destroy Earth. So they go in a big wave across the universe slowly towards earth destroying everything along the way and so the avengers realizing that they're the end point go out into deep space join up with all the galactic empires of the marvel universe and wage space war with the builders it's as big epic grand scale stakes space opera annihilation level story 
And then because Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run always has a B track with new Avengers, you flip over Thanos seeing his opening with the Avengers off planet invades earth while they're away to try and kill his son that he had with an inhuman. And so the Illuminati that we've been following in new Avengers has to fight Thanos and the black order and Thanos's army on earth while all the Avengers are away. And that storyline was the basis for a lot of Avengers infinity war. So if you have seen that movie, that's kind of what's going on back on earth. And you get to hop back and forth between these two storylines as they're happening. The Avengers win their space battle. Big surprise, everybody, at about the three quarters mark. And then they come home and they find their home in danger. They team up with the Illuminati, sort of. The Illuminati also just keeps being like, we've got bad girl shit to do. Sorry. Thanks for coming back to save the day. Back to shenanigans. And they end up saving Earth. Big hoorah. A really good bookend to what we've been talking about so far with the Earth sort of ratcheting up in influence and scale in this comic book with the introduction of things like Night Mask, the Star Brand. We get to meet more of the X and Healy. We get to find out the significance of Abyss, like all those plot threads of the Earth awakening and us meeting the builders and our gods comes to a conclusion here. And we find out all this has been happening because of what's going on in New Avengers. And that sort of sets us up for the back half of this run moving forward towards Secret Wars. So that's two minute, three minute infinity, in case you're wondering. And now we can kind of go back to hopping all around, chatting about it. Um, Alexis, haven't heard from you in a sec. I want to hear what you think of the two halves of this story. Did you prefer space opera? Did you prefer Thanos? Overall thoughts about Infinity. I want to hear them. Honestly, for me, I love the two parts going off of each other throughout. I love the cast of characters with each. It makes it super easy for me to follow them around with them being in the same place every time. Um, And I just feel like for me, I was really excited to get into this big cosmic battle that everybody's been alluding to throughout this entire reading journey we've been on. And this might be slightly problematic, and Zencaster has not wanted me to say it for the past six times, but I was so lost for like a good six issues as to what was going on. I feel like I had to go back and reread it because I was like, I don't know if it's just my little pea brain can't grasp what's going on or if I'm just like in one of those distracted reading modes where I'm not like actually taking everything in. Because I did have to go back and reread some of the space battle wonder thing that was going on. But once I did, I did grasp it better. But I feel like there was a lot of moving pieces, a lot of characters that got introduced very quickly that I wasn't used to. But once I kind of got a handle on all of them and their names, it was easier. And I feel like that's just me with my own past ignorance for lack of better word like I don't I'm not familiar with all of these big bads that everyone's talking I mean I know Ronan I know the bug lord that we talked about (laughs) um 
but yeah, like it was just an introductory of a lot of new characters that I wasn't super familiar with, but I feel like it was alluded that I should have known. But I feel like once I made an effort to like look at their faces and match up what their names were, it made it a lot easier for me. And I mean, I also just like love the drama with the new Avengers. Like that book itself is just drama. I feel like I'm reading like a Avengers um, telenovela or something. I'm like, this is great. Look at this shit. <laughs> it's like I couldn't have written it better myself. And just like, oh, it was it was just so fun. I just had a really good time with it. Like once I got a handle on what was going on with the jumping back and forth, it just was so good. Like all this stuff on Earth, I feel like Earth might be a little bit more my favorite than space. But not by much because they both had amazing parts. But crazy. How messy was it for Namor to send all the armies to Wakanda? I literally gasped. I was like, oh, was you little slippery bitch. I was, I lost it at both those parts where I'm like, these guys are like, Thanos is literally on his way here. And then T'Challa just walks up to Namor. He's like, by T'Challa's the way, I, like, fucking, I fucking bombed your home. You should shit check up. that out. Oh. And then, then you come back here because we gotta get ready for Thanos and yeah. everything. So, but just so you know, they're probably gonna need you. I name was like, "How did you carve a bomb, Atlantis? We're underwater." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Black Panther's so like, good. "You don't even know Wakanda's war crimes. You gotta go check it out." Uh, and oh then my god! Human drama. I was like, "Oh yeah, tell tell everybody how he hates most of his wives except for one." Yeah, <laughs> I. Me love too. the Inhumans so much. And Maximus is beautiful. I love oh. the moment where um um what's his what's his dick showed up? Um and he's like <laughs> don't make us kill you. And then um he's like, Don't threaten us with something yes. you want, and all of his be- buddies like cut their own throats, and everyone's like, Oh my god, except for Maximus, oh. who's like, I'm a little turned on right now. That that was kind of crazy. I like these guys. It's they're I don't mind insane. the term of phrase, what's his dick, but I don't want to use yeah. it for fucking Corvus Black or whatever his name is. Corvus, Corvus Blade. Yes, Corvus Blade. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, Corvus. you're welcome. Every Either time way, I read that welcome. guy's name, I was like, coronavirus. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> my Shout brain out. just auto filled it. Shout out to my friend Nicole. I'm gonna make what's his dick happen. I promise. Oh no. Um. What else? Oh, I'm Lexi. I'm so glad you mentioned that you were like kind of confused for this. My first um, space opera with Marvel was also my first introduction to Thanos. I did the Infinity Gauntlet back when the first Avengers movie came out. And that was also a lot of, hey, I don't know who half these characters are, but the story says they're important. So yeah, sure. I'll, I'll believe you when you tell me this Adam Warlock guy and I don't know, Pip the Cave Troll or whatever his name is. I I, I believe you. They're, they're probably important somewhere. But... <laughs> The focal point characters, really? I guess. Okay, fine. But you, <laughs> the fun thing with comics is you just catch more and more as you go along. And Infinity is such a product of his time in some ways. Like, pushing the Inhumans really hard at the end. That's such an early 2010s Marvel thing. Um, Jason of Spartax being a thing at all is also such an <laughs> early 2010s Marvel thing. Um, Peter Quill's dad is kind of a dick. In every reality. So that's he cool. <laughs> He's so stupid. Him trying to sell them out and telling them exactly where they were. Insane. Insane of him. To do that on my Captain Marvel issue too. Bogus. 
Um, it was so funny he did that. It failed. And then everyone was like, what happened? He was like, it could have been anything. Anyway, you guys suck. You're the problems here. I'm out of here. We're all and, trying to find think, the guy that did this. Yeah, and I think Oleonidas is the one that's like, yeah, that guy betrayed us, right? <laughs> like 100%. Yeah, yeah. The fact that Annihilus was able to figure that out should be like a warning to everyone that like, oh, maybe we're not that smart. <laughs> the dumb bug man. Like, rest is so, I love that man. But, you know, the dumb bug the man bug could America could it? God damn. I'm not saying I'm the smartest in the room, but that guy totally fucked us, right? I mean, come on! Come like, on! We're going to him to like doofish smirk. I mean, come on! That's just a platypus! Just watching Jason leave the room, I'm going to lay eggs in your ear while you sleep. <laughs> oh no. Captain America's like, I don't know, I I trust him. Like, that feels a little 1940s, Cap. I don't know. He might want to assess that. Listen, he's got a trustworthy face, you know? Niles was like, ah, you should assess that, because no. He tells him like it is. No, 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 you're, you're so right, because earlier in the story, I can't stop thinking about the moment where Captain America and Hawkeye and some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents break in on a bunch of scrolls just having dinner. And they make a point later where it's like, they weren't even warriors. They were just dudes that were here. And they just beat them to shit. They just go full police brutality on these scrolls. They were just hanging out, trying to avoid war and shit. And they're like, not in my country. And they just beat the shit out of them. And in retrospect, it's so funny. There's even a, a scroll that was disguised as a cat. When they switch back, he's just perched on the chair. And it's so, so innocuous. I'm like, it's not, they're not dangerous at all. These are the scrawniest scrolls I've ever seen in my life. And Captain America still decided it's been like 20 panels. No one's hit anything yet. I'm going to, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> Sorry. I was looking at that earlier and I had to get that out of my system. I do think infinity is where you start to see Hickman questioning whether the Avengers world initiative mm -hmm. is fascist, right? Like yeah. there are little hints of it throughout this where you're like, wait, wait, I think what they're doing is bad. And I think a little bit, that's what the black dwarf comment is like, look at your friends because honestly, I don't want to spoil too much for Alexis going forward, but like the conflict that, propels the back half of this book is so much more compelling when you realize that like, Captain America has been in the wrong as well. Like mm. Captain America, look at your friends during infinity. Look at what you were doing before infinity happened. Like we're not trying to excuse the Illuminati, but like, let's take a look at what you've been up to as well. Like let's question all of that. And ultimately, that's what makes the conflict for Time Runs Out so interesting. But that's neither here nor there right now. My question, Jonathan Hickman clearly loves Marvel Cosmic. This is clearly, I think, an homage to the Marvel Cosmic Golden Age, Annihilation, all that jazz. Do we think Infinity is at that same level? Do we think Infinity is a classic Marvel cosmic Marvel event? Yes or no? I would argue yes. I think Infinity is very good at balancing between... I think it's a, it actually might be the best entry point for cosmic Marvel. Like, obviously everyone's going to argue Annihilation. But Annihilation throws you in. Like, they kind of... Like, depending how you read it. If you read all the tie-ins, you kind of get tiptoed in. You know, you read the Nova... Um, issue one and then you read 
Drax, like the mini series for Drax, where he's on Earth with like a child, like a human child, which is amazing. It's, it's a great uh, mini series. We haven't read it, and then you have like um, Ruin the Cusers mini series being intercut with that, and like a few other ones, and then you have like actual annihilation event happening, and you kind of get like if you read it in that way. You really kind of got like slowly get pushed into and then the war happens and then you're just boom for a whole omnibus worth of stories. You're just doing a war now. But if you read it, how like most people would have read it at the time where they're not reading all the tie ins, you're just kind of just thrown into like this big space opera galactic spreading battle where everything's just happening and all these different politics and worlds are thrown at you and races and people. And it's really cool and like awesome, especially if you know enough going in that learning new stuff isn't a big deal but for a new reader it's a lot but affinity i think it really balancing between going from earth a setting we know with characters we know and going back to space with a lot of characters we still know and only like kind of more of hints at the inner political relationships and galactic spreading of the world i think it's a good entry point you don't get it too overthrown in my opinion at least you don't get too overthrown or overbearing with all the space opera-ness that could be happening or has happened in the past with like Annihilation. Annihilation um, Conquest happened before this too, I believe. And then you had, uh, you know, Infinity Gauntlet. And War is probably the worst one to get into. I, like, I, I was on Twitter talking about these different ones and how Infinity is like one of the best entry points for Marvel. And someone was like, yeah, my first Marvel book was uh, Infinity War because I read it during the movie because when the movie got announced i was like i gotta read infinity war and i had no idea what was going on and i was like yeah it's because it's a sequel to a different book you're supposed to read first and it's like very very direct sequel that if you don't read the first one you won't get the second one and god forbid if you start with the third one like you're just you're just screwed at that point so i think affinity like really does a great job being an entry point and i think J- jonathan hickman definitely knew this and considered this because like one of the pages in it is a direct reference to you know, the first uh, Avengers movie where it ends with like Thanos is revealing the post credit scene. And he kind of turns to the camera and um, to be challenged them is to challenge death. And he turns and smiles. They have like the same panel, except for now the context is um, Corvus Black Blade or whatever his name is saying uh, um, the earth, she has no Avengers. And then you see Thanos just like turning with a shitty grin on his face. And you're like, oh, that's a direct parallel. And like, this mm-hmm. is just like, this first issue was like the post credit scene. And now we're going into Infinity. So I think it's a great entry point. I think it does a great job balancing it. And Jonathan Hickman, everything I said about you with Krakoa still holds true, but you're goddamn genius, man. And I love you. <laughs> that moment was so, so hard. I love that so much. It really worked on me. Like I was the ideal audience. I was, I have loved the MCU so far. I was intrigued by that end credit scene. And now like Evan's saying, this first issue leads up to that end credit scene, basically like, there were, it was a big soup that got me into comics. Someone on TikTok made fun of me. They're like, every comic is one of your favorite comics. And every comic was one of the comics that helped get you into comics, man. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. But like, it was a soup. Like, if there'd only been one good comic, I don't think I would have gotten as addicted as I am. Like, there were like a dozen good titles coming out right then that all came together in this magic little stew. And Infinity was absolutely one of them. I think we have a question about this later, but I think a lot of people talk about event fatigue, but coming up in the age of Marvel events, like every summer I was excited. Like I might be one of original sins, only shooters. I loved that. It blew my mind. Axis was the first time I knew there were such thing as bad events. So I did feel a little based in that or, I was like, I don't know much, but I know that I don't like this. 
But like, man, Infinity hits so hard. So, so fun. Um, Anne, mm-hmm. turning back over to our hater representative, what are you thinking in the studio? I'm, listen, I'm trying not to be a hater. Because this was genuinely one of my favorite comics getting into it too. Because this came out really close to when I was getting into the comics for the first time. I remember um, I got my copy from the library. It was like the biggest book I'd ever held at the time. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? But it wasn't even an issue because I finished it in a night. I literally binged it for about three hours. And I was like, I don't know what to do with myself now. I'm just kind of exhausted. It was, it still has so much that I love and it's like with time and with me just understanding how Hickman style does and doesn't work with the particular things that I'm looking for in a story, I've it's easier for me to find the things to rag on just because I think that I think from time to time it's fun. Or it's like I this is a book I genuinely enjoy, so it's fun for me to rag on it a little bit. Um, whereas like if it's a book that I genuinely just did not like, I wouldn't even bother. It's like it's not worth my time. I'd rather talk about something else. But it's just I, there's so much here that I still love. There's, and it's actually, Lexi, I'm going to pitch this to you too, because there's a lot of tie-ins that don't get, like I read through the main collection. There's a lot of tie-ins that happen in other titles. Like um, the Mighty Avengers is one of those special series that started at this time spinning out of this event and is such a special comic on its own. That's really, really worth a look. And a lot of the um the gripes I have with Hickman kind of glossing over everything that Carol did in space gets covered by Kelly Sue DeConnick because she's an angel in both her Avengers Assemble and her Captain Marvel tie-ins, which do a great job showing what? Yes, Dallas. No, finish your thought. And then I, oh. I was raising a finger that I wanted to go next. Oh, OK, got it. Yeah. And just all that stuff happens there because Hickman is not a character writer. And I've, I know I've said this many times before, but it's like I love writers who focus on what makes characters special and they go to them. But Hickman is a great voice for cosmic Marvel because his vision, his scope is so Mac. It's about the macrocosm. It's about everything beyond these characters. And I think that the scope of this comic and the artists that he picks to establish that show that off really, really well. And I think the story works at its best when it's working at that cosmic level. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I gotta admit, I'm a sucker for seeing the Avengers take back the, the universe going planet by planet, fighting with all the different races and aliens and just winning the hearts and minds of people. I thought it was a really, really cool scene. It makes you think later on in the series, but it's it's still a really cool scene right now. And it's so hard to beat that final battle with Thanos at the end. Even though I'm like, there's that little nerd in me who was like, Carol was going binary there at the end. You're telling me Thanos just like punched her away, just like slapped her away. That's some bullshit. I'm gonna fight you. But it's still it's still such a fun fight. And with Jim Chung on art, it's just amazing to see. And the way it ends, I didn't expect and is so 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 great. Also, some wonderful standout moments like Black Bowl and Thanos facing off. As a big Inhumans fan, some of the best Black Bolt moments I've ever seen come in this come in this series and it's so so cool i'm gonna throw it out there i got three comments saying as a big inhumans fan while regularly making fun of me for being a song of ice and fire fan is criminal (laughs) point number two Mm -hmm. uh the art you're absolutely right and i want all of us 
in general to talk about how awesome the art is and how well this artistic team all gelled. So it never felt crazy when you switched up artists, but you could always tell when you did. But three, we keep talking about this Kelly Sudakomnik Captain Marvel issue. This has been, mm-hmm. I mean, last episode of Avengers with Evan and Jonathan Hickman, we brought up that, oh, this is where Kelly Sudakonic has to make sure that Captain Marvel is cool. Mm-hmm. Is this just an early example of what Hickman makes his modus operandi for Krakoa? Is this not him shirking the responsibility, but turning to someone else and saying, this is a plot point that we want to hit. Can you do it better than me? Can you do it in the Captain Marvel book? What do you think? It's totally possible. I think not that Hickman bit off more than he could chew, but Hickman has this thing where like for Secret Avengers, I don't think this happens. I have to reread it, but for Secret Avengers, I think the team is small enough and the scope is small enough that you get a lot of character build up and everything. Some of the characters get like shafted a little bit, but as characters, you kind of like, like, all right, it's fine. And like, you know, it kind of gives around a little bit. But with this, with these books, uh, and also like New Avengers is also a good example where it's a boys team. There's like seven people on the team and they're the focus. So they all get their moments and build up. Um, even Beast, who seems like he has like the least amount of speaking time, feels like a character that's being built up still. Mm-hmm. But with something like the main Avengers book or there's Infinity uh, event entirely, you have so many characters to balance and so many character modes that you can give out or could give out. So what he always does, it seems, and this happens with the Krakoa era too, is he says, all right, who are the main guys, right? Who are the dudes? Not just like, I don't mean like dudes, like who are the men, but like, who are, who's that guy? You no, know? no, I was, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I just want to clarify for anyone listening because they can't see you agreeing with me, but, uh, but thank you for vocalizing it. Um, but you have like Captain America and Thor, right? Like those are like the main Avengers dudes. And I guess a cannonball. And then you have like his favorites or like the people he's like, oh, I like these guys are coming with me now. So you have like cannonball and uh, sun, not sunfire, uh, sunspot. Sunfire. <laughs> so like they get to pop up and like do stuff and stuff. But for the most part, you get like a collection of like four people that he's just like, all right, I'm going to give these guys the big moment. Thor gets his big hammer moment. Uh, Ronan gets his big hammer moment. Uh, Captain America doesn't get a hammer moment, but he does get to like do a lot of speeches and stuff. Captain Marvel, oh, she's about to get just kidding. She gets like locked up and then she like is kind of, you know, just there, I guess. So he does that a lot where he's just like, I need to, I need someone to throw in to get exposition for. Captain Marvel's perfect for that. Throw her in because I wasn't using her anyway. But these other dudes, I had ideas for these. These are the big guys. These are the Avengers. Like Captain America and Thor, they're the Avengers. So they're going to get their moments. And so that's like something that I think follows him a lot. And I don't think at this point, I don't think it was on, it was on purpose, but I don't think it was really. Him thinking, like, how can I be the most inclusive uh, writer, not just in terms of diverse representation, but in terms of, like, uh, who I'm giving a spotlight to. The thing that makes me wonder is the initial pitch of his X-Men book for the Krakoa era was not the anthology that we got. It was actually going to be, I will write the first issue of every Krakoa series so that you can hit the ball, the ground running. He's like, I will do the intro, the team intro, the stakes, like all the sort of stage setting so that you can hit the ground running. And then that crawled high enough at Marvel that they were like, 
no, we're not doing that. We're doing regular <laughs> comics here. And so I just, I'm wondering, understanding that that's where he goes after this. I wonder if this is the first in, inklings of that instinct. Like I'm going to lob up a pitch for you then to slam out. And I realize reading infinity in a, a vacuum makes me be like, what the hell? But I just, it makes me curious because this is a pattern we see later on being intentional. I did, I wonder if like this felt successful to him. The Kelly Sudaconic was the one that was like, Hey, can I write the badass stuff you hint happens? And then he sees that that's awesome. And he's like, we should do more of that. Or like, I just love to know how the sausage got made on that. I, I feel like it's somewhere in between. Cause I'm also 90% sure that Hickman doesn't know that Carol got like a pretty major power up since she was Miss Marvel where it's like, Hey, she's, you know, she's not the same person she was before. You can't just like do writer the same way Bendis did. Would she go into a fight and then he'd knock her out immediately. So he wouldn't have to worry about her for the rest of the issue. Cause I swear to God, Bendis did that every single fucking issue. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Oh, I, he, he was, she was in every Bendis book and he hated her. So I don't understand why she was just there. She's, I don't know. Bendis, a dollar, name another woman, any other woman. Kitty pride. Um, Jessica Drew, oh God. baby. <laughs> God damn. Stop it. Always Jessica Drew. She was a scroll most of the time. Thank you. Which also was a fun thing where it's like, Hey, Jessica, you're working with scrolls for the first time. Want to say more than five words about it? No, no, I'm here. <laughs> I don't know. That one for me honestly hit a little funny funny where I was like, honestly, hell yeah. (laughs) Like we are going to dress it. And then she's gonna be like, I don't even, I don't got time for this. I'm going to pick my wedgie that Lionel Francis, you gave me. I'm already a character prone to wedgies. And you gave me to the ass doctor here. I just feel like Hickman was like, listen, I know Thor shoots lightning. I know that Iron Man goes pew pew. Um, this binary shit, I don't understand. So Kelly, just, you know, do something, I guess. And Kelly's like, so she ripped apart time and space, right? And she was like making black holes with her mind. And Hickman's like, yeah, queen. Yeah, I'm going to tie her up. (laughs) Awesome. There's a reason why she was flying the ship and Falcon was out fighting in space. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It's... It's that HR meme where it's like Chris Claremont's like, I'm going to tie up the female characters. And it's like, ah, and then Jonathan Hickman's like, I'm going to tie up the female characters. And it's like, HR, I need your help. That's it's kind of what funny. That just felt like not to make this like a Bechdel test or anything. Cause like that's, Oh, actually let's make a Bechdel test real quick. Like, <laughs> cause then you have also like Izzy where she's like her whole character in this a whole event is just who am I fucking? That's crazy to me. She's like, Cap's like, do you have any good news? She's like, well, I'm in love, I think. And he's like, well, we need that right now. And they were like, also, we don't need you to talk anymore. Skedaddle. Get on to the next issue. Get on out of here. It's the first thing she's done since her standalone issue. That's what I'm saying. She had one standout issue. Basically, it's the background for the rest saying, like, come some one-liners. Pretty cool. I like her character. And then the the one issue she finally gets is not her issue. It's the boy's. The boys, 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 and Izzy's here, and we're gonna fight over her too a little bit. Not like really fight, but we're gonna fight a bit. But I, it's, I, I just think it's funny that the one, <laughs> the one female character that gets the entire arc through this. Can you guess who it is? Can you even name this character? Because I had to look it up. It's Super Giant. It's the character <laughs> who dies to Maximus, whose whole thing is just like I'm gonna find, uh, I'm gonna figure out how to work this bomb, and her, her arc is basically just like. I want to die. Thanos didn't grant me that death. I'm going to kill him and his son and I'll 
both like honor him by doing that and say fuck you by doing that because I'm the one that kills mm-hmm. him. And then she doesn't get to do it. And that's her arc. <laughs> the last thing she sees in this life is a dog that says woof. Yeah, the ugliest dog you've out. ever seen, apparently. I thought Lockjaw was supposed to be a cute dog. Hideous boy. Hideous boy. Yo, why did he have human <laughs> teeth? His human teeth in this, I was like, shut up, all of you. Every time he was like, woof. And he looked like one of those fish that has human teeth. And you were like, put him back in the As ocean. someone who owns a dog that kind of is ugly, I need y'all to stop talking. <laughs> Listen, does your dog have human teeth? Yeah. Sometimes. Answer that, Lexi. Sometimes. sometimes? <laughs> what do you mean sometimes? Yo, yo, yo. yo. want to hear the funniest shit you've ever heard? My mom has a like a digital frame that all of us can upload pictures to. And Alexis was uploading pictures of her ugly dog and my siblings were deleting them without telling me. <laughs> oh my and so God. Alexis just kept waiting for like her dog to come up on the frame and they had fully deleted that ugly dog. Oh, it's oh, so funny. It's so messed up. It's so mean. And she's oh fucking God. cute, but kind of ugly. Oh, she's sitting right next to me. I shouldn't talk so loud. That dog's Listen, all I'm saying is, was Mark Bagley the one that drew this? I think it is him. No. Like this hideous I... one where it's him, the dog, and Maximus? Who drew this? Dustin Weaver did some of the Jim Chung issues. I want huh. to say that, oh no, Jerome Opeña drawing hmm. the builders is my religion. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. Those freaky bug boys, I was like, this is the greatest comic book art of all time. Give Jerome Pena free reign to draw the Avengers, which he does so well, next to just some freaky little guys. This is his bag. I don't know what they did to free him from Rick Remender's basement for this event, but I'm glad they did it. And I'm glad that he was allowed to just draw some little freaks. When they went to the planet of the horsehead people that from Fantastic Four <laughs> that were Johnny Storm's friends, I was like... Real comics. Hell yeah. Real comics. Backstreet's back. All right. God. I absolutely, I love Thanos in this. Thanos, this oh my God. Be, this is like one of my favorite Thanos. Like him finding Black Ball and just smashing his head into the ground. It's so sick. I wish him and Black Ball had like a real rivalry after this. We They like never interact again. It's a damn shame. Black Ball should have been in that Axe event. That is, uh, it's insane that like, they should have what, like, Namor and um, T'Challa have. Like, that whole, like, back and forth beef. But instead, it just ends here. <laughs> what a sick. Lex, was this your first Thanos comic? No. He was in the Eternals. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He so was also compared. in Annihilation. So, spoiler, oh, yeah. he gets out of the Yeah. Um, I feel like he was slightly more of a villain with the Eternals. A little more unhinged in that one. But he was, with he family. was very cool in this one. What? I said it's because he was with family. When, you're with, the Eternal, when you're with the Eternals, you're with family. It, it, it was, uh, it was uh, it mommy and daddy issues. This one is just parental issues. Mm-hmm. Also, though, Thane was kind of cool. That was fun. That one was new. I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say kind of hot. Like, I thought that's where that sentence was going to go. And I was like, don't say that. And then you didn't. But then I still had the energy from being like, Alexis. (laughs) Alexis is pretty hot in this. Please. Who is? Anos. He's pretty hot in this. 
He's pretty hot. When he, th- I'm just looking at this image of him shoving Black Bolt's face into the ground. And he's standing <laughs> over him. I don't know. That's pretty Evan. hot. Evan's Evan. like, hmm. Mm-hmm. What can I say? I like a man who knows uh, how to shove my face into the dirt. Yeah, when I'm disappointed. I don't know. This guy's somewhere. Black Bolt had a comeback. I'm I actually got to go. <laughs> oh, we're on Discord. Never mind. That's a Discord leave noise. Oh, my. Whew. Dane's ugly. Yes. Dane is ugly, but I <laughs> like his ugly. little power suit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Alexis, remember when I said there was a character that Sazed from Mistborn is yes, in my head? It's Ebony Ma. So- I know who you're talking about, and it hurts <laughs> me. It hurts my feelings. I know that's not true. Sazed is my favorite Anna? character. Sazed? Was- Wait, which picture character is Sazed? Ebony Ma. That's Ebony how I pictured Sazed no. in my head. No, no, not no, personality no. at all. That's how I pictured him. Dylan. Who played him Dylan. in the movie? I can't. I, no, not it was specifically this art. It was Jim Chung's oh, mm-hmm. Ebony Ma. Was I was like, that's Sazed no. in my head. Wise, wise the man. Sweet little steward is not an evil did you, word. And did you finish that trilogy? I'm still on the third book. <gasps> I, got, I got distracted. What? Girl, Girl I wasn't what? even with the first book, and you were on book three, and I beat you. I thought you were finished when we... What? I I'm going to need you to get off this podcast and go put your headphones in and finish that damn book. Thank you. I can finish it this weekend, You're in probably. time out. I know. You're full of shit. Okay. <laughs> I got back into music for a little bit. I found Wrong! Like, Wrong answer! Grow up! Read audiobooks. So many At, songs. Unless the music is Taylor Swift. Then it's successful. It was not Taylor Swift. She grew up. She started to listen to such pride hits as Not Queen's discography. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Yeah, judging off her boyfriend, she was listening to the wrong pride stuff, is what I'll say. True. Anyway, when Corvus Glaive and. um, Oh, hell, what's the woman's name? Midnight something? No, that's her. Proxima? Proxima Midnight, you mean? Proxima What's Midnight? her name? Misogyny. There's like five women, Dallas. You can't get her. I could get that going Super Giants. They say, they say her name once, maybe. Yo, when Proxima you got Super Midnight. Giants' name, I was like, that's a feminist. Right I there. It. Look at him. No, I agree yep. with it. I, I'm not going to lie to you. But Proxima Midnight, I'll stand by. She's sick. She is sick. She's got a great design. Um, when her and Corvus Glaive beat the crap out of Hulk, that was a great scene. As that was well. good. They're... The flow of this, when you read the three books, when you read Avengers, New Avengers, and Infinity, is so good because Jonathan Hickman knows how to make all the coolest shit happen with his premier artists on the actual Infinity issues. Mm -hmm. Mm, Like, all of the thread that actually makes it a story and makes all the stakes matter go between Avengers and New Avengers. But every time you got to one of those infinity issues, it felt like cracking your knuckles and you're like, all right, let's see what the hell happens. <laughs> and frankly, issue six did not disappoint. Like this book went pedal to the metal the whole way through. And it was incredible. Bald Hulk got his ass beat. Incredible. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention while I'm thinking about it, I really like, we keep seeing this with Hickman that he keeps like doing like these reprises and like, thematic like ideas that like resonate over and over again so there's two that i noticed i really liked one is we get like his first um you have new gods moment yeah references again in krakoa so in this one the avengers are and the you know the team like 
I guess like gladiators on the Avengers in this technically. So the, the Avengers are beating the builders. And so there's like a moment where they're like, you have new gods now. And it's basically like the Avengers uh, can, if you kill God, aren't you like basically God? And so then we see that again in like the Krakoa era when um, Magneto takes a bunch of humans to, where, where did they go? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> that is the craziest thing Jonathan Hickman has ever done is yeah. have Holocaust survivor Magneto stand in Jerusalem and say, you have new gods now. There's a reason that guy's not on social media. That's the craziest thing anyone's ever done. Back to you in the studio. But, (laughs) and then the other one I really like is that Thane. Um, We keep getting like this um, mention of uh, one was life, one is death. Everything lives, everything dies. And so then you have Thane, who's destined to be, who's Thanos' son. So he's destined to be like a killer. Like he's destined to be death incarnate. And he hasn't become this thing yet because it turns out, you know, he's being denied his uh, Terrigen uh, origins or whatever you want to say. What did you say? Terrigenesis. Sure. Yeah. Inhuman. Anyway. It's the thing. uh, Okay. First, let me just pause for a second to say, Lexi, your dog looks like an old ass man. <laughs> Yo. I told you. It's too small for its skin. Look at its eyes. Its skin doesn't line up. You see, like, meat. It's not even just, like, the pink inside of eyes. You see, like, some cheek meat in those saggy never, eyelids. I hate that dog. I've never seen a dog where I immediately said, that dog has questionable politics. <laughs> I don't know if I want to talk to him. <laughs> also don't know how that dog has ashy skin but it does you can see in the picture it's <laughs> not a flattering photo photos of this dog how she said it not the human teeth though it does have human teeth <laughs> the human has lips that is what Jim Chung drew Every time it was that image. You just put lipstick on that dog. You have to have more flattering pictures of your dog. She doesn't. I do. She doesn't. No. She sends that kind of picture to the family group chat every day. Like, look at my baby. And our whole family just roasts the shit out of her. And she's like, I cannot wait to do that to your first fucking firstborn. I mean, this dog. We're like, it's every day. Please. Your dog needs moisturizer. I don't understand. It's got a part fur. Of me, a part of me wants you to like post it on social media so you could like really understand. But also, I don't want you to go through that. <laughs> there has Holy to be like shit. an artist black room. <laughs> I, that tweet. I don't know if you all saw it. This guy tweeted a picture and he's like, my girl's bad. I don't care what any of you say. And then someone commented like, my man, this is Twitter. Why'd you put her on the grill? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel looking at this dog. Oh, oh, God. God. Are so terrible. Yo, God damn. She's cute. At least I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Just be like a bunch of Vaseline. That's it. You're cute. Oh, you said, look at my ugly dog, and you sent the picture. <laughs> I don't really see it. And, like, you. and I a f- had a big conversation. And as a ferret, and you have lost <laughs> <laughs> the weird looking animal. That's an ashy dog. Yo, I've never been that ashy in my life. Their hair is 
brown. How oh could she be God. ashy when she's got fur? I don't know. That's, That's my skin. <laughs> How's your dog oh, ashy? Oh, no. I unplugged my headphones. I'm losing it. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, now you're going to have to upload the pictures or else everyone's just going to think we're insane. No, nah, don't. Bye. Let them think we're insane. It's better that way. <laughs> this is like what, this whatever is like you imagine ring. this dog looks like. Like that I feel like dog. Those lips. <laughs> also, your dog somehow looks like it's missing eyebrows. Even my dogs aren't supposed to have eyebrows. eyebrows off of celebrities. That's what your dog looks like. Oh my god. Her ears look like a bad haircut. Yo. Whew. Anyway. Yeah, so Thane is. Thane's a healer. Okay, I feel like I have to send a normal picture now. There ain't we saw none. it live. We saw a live action of this dog from multiple angles. It did not help. <laughs> now you see oh why my, my siblings were taking it off the family camera roll. You guys are such I would, assholes. I would only want it to be on there. That'd be so funny. Can you imagine you're trying to have a nice like memory of like one like hanging out stuff like Christmas dinner, you know, with Ma and Pa and Me Ma and whatnot? But you scroll, you're like, what the fuck? Who is that? Yo, like, look a, at the look at the cute picture dog. she sent of the dog. I didn't even get this one. That's just as bad. Oh, <laughs> That's just as bad. Yo, <laughs> she looks I will like literally quit. She looks like she just Holy read shit. a tweet and she's trying not to say something controversial about it. Oh my god! <laughs> Those two women are what? Uh, I'm sorry. Live however you want, but why does it got to be in front of me? Is what that dog said. <laughs> I was gonna say, can we bring back the homophobic dog? Yeah, it's just this dog. Yo, that dog. It's <laughs> honestly the drawn on eyebrows help. It really does. I think that might be the problem is your dog's missing eyebrows. You can't draw dog's eyebrows on it. <laughs> and Alexis is an esthetician, so she can draw the eyebrows on every morning. Oh my god. Alexis is like, come here, Junie. Time to oh put on god. your eyebrows. Dallas, remember how I texted you and told you not to take it too far and making fun of Anne? You have passed the threshold. God, you're with you? Yes. <laughs> Ooh, my face hurts. My face. I, I hope it does. Oh I needed that. Oh, man. Anyway. Infinity. So <laughs> Thane is like... <laughs> God damn. So Thane... Excuse me. Sorry. So Thane is like... Um, he's an interesting character. <laughs> and here's why. It's because... We keep getting this motif and thematic uh, narrative of, you know, one is life, one is death. Everything lives, everything dies. And we've seen that since, like, uh, Hickman's Fantastic Four run. And with Thane, you know, he's the son of Thanos. So he's kind of destined to be this uh, uh, symbol of oppression, this cause of oppression and death and destruction. But in the meantime, when he's not there get messed up or whatever Anne said, he um, he's a healer. So you do get this, like, literal embodiment of uh, one is life, one is death inside of him. And so it's kind of interesting, too, because the Terrigan Mist is supposed to be like this almost a spiritual thing for the Inhumans, right? Like a, a rite of passage, like yep. puberty of our mitzvah. And for a lot of them, it's like almost a horrific event when it's first happening, though, because like they're alone in this world. Like mostly uh, before this, Inhumans would get 
taken to one place. I'm talking like I know about humans, but I, I guess I do. Um, no, it's, it sounds good enough. Yeah, correct me when I'm wrong, but uh, they get like taken as like more of a like a, a a ceremony, almost like a birthing process. But for like in this case, there is no birthing process. It's just um, it's a release, like almost like a virus or. It really reminds me of, I don't know if this is on purpose or not when they were thinking about this, but it really reminds me of the Big Bang from uh, the D- Dakotaverse with like static and um, icon and hardware and uh, all the other boom babies. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. hardware is not a boom baby, but you know, um, Rocket. Rocket's a boom baby. But um, so I think it's like, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it's kind of interesting that we get Miss Marvel out of this and she kind of has a very similar uh, origin to static in that regard. You know, I think they're both. I can't remember if Sack was also at a party and then there was gang violence and he left and then the mist attacked. But anyway, they both had like this birthing process and everything. I think it's really cool um, that Thane, you know, he doesn't get this. So he kind of like has this big destruction moment where he kills everyone that he's been healing for years. And it really kind of drives home like um, those themes and where they're going. And like, this isn't just like a feel good story all the time. Like, it's not always going to be about winning. I really feel like Thane actually ends up, as you said this, this is something that came to my mind, Thane ends up encapsulating a lot of what Hickman does with this whole run where characters who were healers, who were life, become death, right? It reminds me of the apocryphal quote from Oppenheimer, now I am become death. Like When you think about the arcs of so many of these characters over this run, that is the arc, right? We start with the best intentions. And there is a point at which that is so far gone. And I really, during the reading of Infinity, especially like as Thanos and the Black Order find the bombs, I don't know why then that's when it clicked me. I was like, oh, New Avengers is the Manhattan Project. Like that. Oh, duh. Duh. Jonathan Hickman, who's done a whole comic book about the Manhattan Project, is doing the Avengers Manhattan Project. I have no, I don't know why I did not put that together until this exact moment. Dallas is truly a silly Billy boy missing that one, but hit very hard in the midst of infinity for some reason. And it's reframed the new Avengers book for me. Honestly, I have a panel that rivals Thor catching the hammer. Mm-hmm. I think the single coolest panel of black panther ever is him in new avengers 12 coming out of the shadows to talk with shuri for whatever reason they freaked that panel honestly that Mm -hmm. is the coolest panel black panther has ever had when i was like that one panel tells me everything i need to know i want that one panel as a whole comic book series that is crazy that was a good issue overall like namor coming down out of the room to be like Hey, thanks for defending me, Batty. And the child's just like, do not talk to me. I was just, it was good. Alexis, you were so right. Being like, new Avengers is just Avengers mess. It's what if the Avengers were just messy? And I love it. It's fantastic. That's That's why it's the better Avengers book out of the two, I think. For me, at least. Because, like, there's character development, there's character dynamics, and there's inner... There's interpersonal conflicts and, like, relationships that feel natural and not force i'm not saying any names cannonball is he but you know sometimes it just feels like writers just throw at the wall like oh this would be a cute couple and like there's 
for example, a couple. I don't know why I said that, but um, but with the new Avengers, you know, all this stuff, they these characters have histories. Hickman's been working on some of these characters, like Reed and uh, Black Panther, uh, building them up to this, or um, and Namor and uh, T'Challa also just had that history uh, from Doom War already. So you kind of have all this stuff like kind of coming to a head together. And I think Hickman does a really good job of like making them all play off each other. And it really feels like out of the two books, it feels more like the book he really wanted to do. Not that he wanted to do one or the other, but it does feel like the, the new Avengers is the base and Avengers feeds in and off of it. But new Avengers is really where the meat of the story is. Avengers feels like the big blockbuster that you make to get the clout to make your Oscar bait new Avengers. Yes. <laughs> um, do we have any other final thoughts before we switch over into questions? I don't have any. I think Alexis is boycotting the podcast now. Contemplating it. I was Lexi. about to say something about your dog again, so I'm going to stop myself right there. Lexi, I would still pet your dog. I would still call her a good girl. I would still hug the dog. She's a Y'all cutie. Y'all messed up. She's cute as fuck. <laughs> I would help her with Facebook. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> woman looking at us. <laughs> 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 What I'm hearing is y'all can answer the questions by your own damn self. Oh, no, don't be like that. Uh, come don't, on. Don't come leave on. me with them. You got your senior citizen dog. <laughs> the gag is she's she's barely even two. She, she had a Benjamin Button dog. Old soul. <laughs> and body. All right. <laughs> All right. First question comes from none other than Glenn Machette. He writes in and says, hello, Black Order members. Great. Um, Why are they called Infinity Stones when they're only six? Infinity last I checked is more than six. Pretty real questions there, Glenn. Where would Thanos and Death go on a date? And three, any plans to read Kate's Thanos? It's pretty awesome. Many thanks, Glenn Machette. So, Wait, where are Thanos and Death going on their date? Before we go into that question, I just remembered one last thing I wanted to say because I thought it was so cool when I saw it. Mm-hmm. It's because, like, Thanos is in this and there's Affinity Stones and everything, but there's no gauntlet, right? But there is a gauntlet. There was a gauntlet the whole time, and they say it multiple times. The gauntlet is like him saying, either you we're going to run a gauntlet or you give me the tributes. And so that's like him, like being a Black Panther, or not Black Panther, Black Bolt is the gauntlet. Like he, they gave him the ultimatum. And so there is a gauntlet in the story. And I thought that was so cool. Even though the stones are gone and there's literally no physical gauntlet, but there is one the whole time. That I fucking love Thanos. Anyway. He's real good. Also, Kate's Thanos is very good. I don't know that we have it on the docket anytime soon, but it's very good. It's a cool oh, yeah. run. Let's see. Thanos and Death are going to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> and... Daddy put mom and dad's date place on blast. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say that's very... Sp- I was going to say Arby's because that just feels more like the vibe, but you know. Oh my gosh. That's They're hitting parents out- go once a week. They're getting a blooming onion. 
and they're making small talk about Thane's grades, <laughs> and Death is going to wonder what happened to their sex life, and Thanos is going to be completely in the dark. I don't think they're going on a date. I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> I think Thanos is like... At first, well, honestly, I don't know. Because before I was going to say, I thought Thanos was an incel for the longest time. But he has a son, so he canonically fucks more than Batman, which is crazy. Because Batman's fucked zero times. And Thanos has fucked at least once. And I'm going to say probably more times. I don't know how many times. Twice. Probably twice. Nebula's his granddaughter. So, theoretically, yeah. I don't know if I knew that. Maybe I did. I'm a bad fan. So, he's fucked at least twice. So... (laughs) Just like the woman he wants to fuck. Thanos is a found family trope, but he traumatizes the found family. <laughs> Thanos is Batman if Batman murdered all the Robin's parents. Bingo, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I think like and this could be like me nerding out more, but canonically, like Death doesn't care for Thanos. Like she loves Deadpool. And there's like a weird love triangle there, but uh she just doesn't fuck with Thanos. She thinks he's uh, kind of like desperate. Like he's like really trying hard to like impress her and stuff. She's kind of like, all right, whatever. And then Deadpool's just kind of like, she let me hit because I'm goofy. And <laughs> that's where we're just going to stand on that. <laughs> Tis wild. Um, Lex, do you want to read the Penny Green question? It's the next one. Yes. Let me scroll down. Penny Green. All right. Hickman's Avengers. Hi, Comics Collective. If there were to be an Illuminati with a new with a new heroes, think the champions, Young Avengers. Who do you think deserves a place with the next generation of genius dumbasses? Excellent question. Um, that's it's funny you phrase it like that, Penny. Because I don't think any of them deserve that place. I th- I think it's fully people who are just. And you know, the point of it is just they are so arrogant that they think they deserve this right to be the ruling elite over everything. But I think if you were to like democratically like elect people to the Illuminati, you'd have to get more than more than one woman on this thing. I was gonna say going back to your original yeah, Val is arrogant enough to think she belongs. Like she'll be an Illuminati in the evil way. Be PTA president. Val has to know this exists, right? She just doesn't say shit about it. Yeah, she's she just like, "Daddy goes to his poker nights <laughs> all the time." This is crazy. Franklin, what do you think? And Franklin's over there picking his nose, and she's like, "So true, bestie." Nah, Val's broken out of the comic book universe in a meta way, and she's looking at Matt Fraction as this is going on. She says, "Please finish this run. Please write the last few issues of your run." I need you to write an ending to this story. That's what she's doing this whole time. Yeah. And Matt Fraction mm-hmm. is like, no. <laughs> and he's like running away. He's like running around the house as Kelly Sue is like, I'm writing 10 books right now and they're all great. <laughs> and Matt's like, <laughs> I might write the beginning of one. I don't know. <laughs> just, a, just a silly lad. Put Matt Fraction on the Illuminati. <laughs> That house has big he stay at home dad, but she still cleans the house and cooks vibes. <laughs> That's what that house is. I'm gonna scream. She's a single mom who works too hard and wish my fraction would get a job. <laughs> I am just kidding. I don't know. 
I don't know what that house is like. <laughs> Next interview is going to be fun. Yeah. I think it's a loving one. It's a loving one. <laughs> All right. I just, I don't have, I don't know if I have any good suggestions. I don't, don't want to like do this to anyone. I don't want to put anyone on the Illuminati. I will. <clears throat> do it. Emma Frost. Okay. She's, she's not the smartest, oh. but she's the only one that's going to, she's the one that would pull the trigger. Oh, I don't yeah. know why they buy a beast because he's smart. Fuck him. He's not. They, they keep the like. They keep kind of going like, "Come on, man, you could do it. Pull the trigger. Someone's got to pull it. Why not you, Beast? Pull the trigger." Like you say that to him, and he's like, "I don't know yet. Well, I think one day we might have to." And we're possibly like, "Give it to me. Give me the gun. Just load it. I'll, I'll aim. I'll hold it up. I'll pull the trigger. Don't do everything. And I'll be the bad guy. I'll." That's that's her whole attitude. This is what she does all the time. She does something bad. She's like, "I had to do it. I'll be the bad guy." And that, and that was like, "You didn't have to pretend Cyclops was alive for like." A whole battle after he got killed. You just did that because you're kind of like not doing okay. We, we we should talk to you about that. But she's like, I'll do it. I'll be the bad guy. I've been the bad guy my whole life. And she does like you know she changes her outfit and then she everyone loves her again, be included because I love her. Yeah. <clears throat> no, if it's a choice between her kids and the kids of another universe, she's definitely pulling that trigger. Yeah. Also, For the kids. Is Namor smarter than Emma Frost? There's no. no fucking way. He's on the team because he owns Atlantis. <laughs> he has the resources. He's a smart guy. Don't get me wrong. But if we're trying to pick the smartest people in the room, I'll, I don't know if he's the one up there. Maybe they thought he'd be the one to pull the trigger. And he's also kind of like, oh, I maybe so. I will. I don't know. I, just, I, I want to see Dr. Doom's face when he finds out that Namor was invited and he wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's what? that's what made Secret Wars happen. Spoiler yeah. alert, Lexi, but it's just Doom being petty. Doom's like, what? You're gonna fight a villain, and you pick him? I just think it's insane. It's like, well, he owns the oceans, like, so he has the biggest collection of barnacles in the world. So what? Who and cares? they're like, well, we know you've got beef with Reed, and he's like, Namor has cucked Reed a hundred times. <laughs> he <laughs> drowned this dude's Na- nation. The nation. <laughs> Literally, he's every Illuminati meeting. It's just with your wife. Namor and T'Challa trying to act like keep a straight face as they're kicking each other under the table. Yeah. And Reed's like, what's going on? Is everything okay? And they're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, good. I will turn this Illuminati around. You don't <laughs> behave yourselves. <sighs> We've built a really strong Illuminati. We did. We did it. We did it, Joe. <gasps> That's what we need. We need Joe Biden on oh, Illuminati. Oh, shit. No, you're right. If you need someone who's going to get something done, boy, oh boy, why not Joe? Historically, <laughs> really good at getting things done. He's going to be like, why don't we vote the planets away? That'll do it. <laughs> you put Joe Biden on the Illuminati and it's like, so what's your plan for dealing with the incursions? He's like, I got one. And then like 10 minutes later, every Democrat in the country is like, we need $5. You need to donate $5 immediately or else we're all going to die. <laughs> I hate he to says, ask again. You know, this is a two-party system. I like it's it's a common joke. People tweet it every six months. But every time someone's like Joe Biden's out here tweeting like, man, who's the president in this place? <laughs> <laughs> every time a tweet like that goes around it's still funny because it's still oh, yeah. true it's always mm-hmm. true that guy's always like whoever's job this is is really mucking it up <laughs> i you. wish someone would do something 
<laughs> we need someone to stand up to these Republicans. That's you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Make sure to vote in November. What? <laughs> yeah. Four more years of, I wish someone would do something. <laughs> America, we're not, we're not a political podcast. Next <clears throat> question. <laughs> From Mullet my Overlord. And can you read us our Mullet Overlord question of the week? Absolutely. Dear Comics Collective, I hope y'all are doing great today. I'm super excited to hear you discuss the story. I was wondering, do you think there any other writer has had a higher hit per page rate with Thor? Because holy fuck, does Hickman go off with that lad? Also, y'all's favorite space stories? Dallas, I thought your Ultimates episode on Geeksplain was a lot of fun and kept me giggling for the first hour or so of my shift. I am now thoroughly enjoying myself going through Eric's back catalog, so thank you for that. Don't worry, I'm already caught up on the Comics Collective. Well, the Ann era, at least. Happy Pride. <laughs> God damn, you made me read that because you knew? I actually didn't, but it's a God happy coincidence. Damn it. I hate everything. <laughs> G- good job on your Geeksplained episode, Dallas. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, what are our favorite space stories? Silver Surfer with Dawn. Nice. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. The Thanos Imperative. Haven't read it I mean, yet. I think it's the perfect capstone to that era of Marvel Cosmic. Lots of really great characters. Fun Guardians of the Galaxy story. The introduction of the Cancerverse, which is peak. I love, love the Cancerverse. Get to see all the best evil Avengers. It'll be fun. We should read it sometime. I like that. Evan, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, Ridley Scott's Alien. <laughs> so, also Invincible. Oh, that counts. Yeah. Also, that's not specified. More comic. recently, oh, shoot, what is it called? Short comic because it got canceled, unfortunately. Um, they're in space, religion, ghosts. Oh, is it the, where they're feeding um, the engine? Yeah, they're feeding the engine. It's not like, like the souls. Outer limits. Or oh, what Black is it Orbit? called? Outer uh, Darkness. Outer, outer Darkness. Dark- that's it. That's a good one. That was really good. That was a good. I one. Was, yeah, everyone should go read that real quick. Just for the pay money to read it real quick for the one time. Like, I, we're not getting to like a pirating debate or anything. Do what you got to do. But for this one, please, if everyone could just go buy it in mass for like one week, we could bring it back just for it's one ending. It. I just need the ending. That's it. And also, <laughs> like, like maybe that. three more volumes. I don't know. I won't be greedy. So I just need to say Saga. Saga is incredible. If we're going to expand past comics, uh, The Expanse is amazing. Really great oh. novels. Um, Star Wars. It's cool. Uh, for comics, uh, Starman has a really great space saga that I just finished. Loved it. He's back in Opal City, Anne. And shit is hitting the fan. And yeah. I need to know what's going on with this frame job on my boy, The Shade. Because <laughs> I'm going to start burning the place down. I love The Shade so much. He's so good. <laughs> Every time they flash back and they're like, he was just being a silly, goofy guy with Jay Garrick. And he's actually mm-hmm. very evil and could have killed him at any moment. But instead, he was doing wacky little things to entertain Jay Garrick because he's a good guy at heart. Are, are we talking about Shade the Changeling Man? No. No. Oh. Different Shade. Different Shade. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, Swamp Thing has an awesome space arc that Starman was definitely homaging. Usagi mm-hmm. Jibble has an awesome space arc. Which is about to get a collection. Yeah. So go get that in March of 2014. Sorry, 2024. It's March 14th, 2024. I remember the day. <laughs> Hell like, yeah. 
90% of Captain Marvel is space arc. So just Who? throwing that out there. Hmm? Oh, What'd you say? Sorry, I didn't. I thought you said something. I say anything. No. Words? Mm-hmm. Was she in this one? <laughs> Do you know who was in this one though? <laughs> who? Shang Chi. Shang Chi yeah, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. perfect character for Jonathan Hickman style comics, where like they don't do anything, don't do anything, and then they show up and they do something badass for whatever reason. Whenever someone else does it, I'm like, what have they been up to this whole time? But every time it ha- happens with Shang Chi, I was like, hell yeah, Shang Chi. Just assume he's been doing like ninja shit the rest of the time. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. you snuck on him. You snuck up on him real good. I didn't even see you coming. <laughs> outstanding work all right next one i can read got one from mason gonzalez he says i really don't want to be a hickman i don't like that word so i'm gonna say a hickman fanboy but for this run i have to i've dabbled in comics a little as i was growing but this came out while i was in high school and firmly cemented my love for not only marvel and cosmic marvel but comics i mean come on thor killed that builder the prose and dialogue every time i revisit this book my bustles get thoroughly rustled and not just hickman the art across all three series is so barnacling fantastic praise must never be forgotten for you cubert at diodato titans on a titanic book Anyway, the question is post this and Secret Wars, aside from Empire, which, while cool, isn't all that amazing or memorable, sadly, and Last Annihilation, which was mostly people didn't know was a thing and was really just a Guardian's arc with tie-ins, Marvel hasn't done a truly epic event since. Why do you think that is? Is it a lack of interest from writers and editorial or maybe some mandate from higher up? I get most people love or read Marvel for the grounded human stories, but come on. Sometimes seeing heroes battle pure evil space monsters with stunning art is just fun. Sorry for the long email. You can skip this last part if necessary. Also, Dallas, I saw your TikTok about you getting the Die RPG set up and potentially running a game of that with fans. Is that still an option? TBD. We will see. That is something that is in the works. So why do we think that Marvel events have slowed down a little bit? And do we think there are any great ones since Secret Wars? Um, I think with like where the question is going, just in terms of like events with mass spectacle, a lot of the events since have been mainly Earth focused. And I think it's really hard to do a cosmic event like this because one, you have to have the talent behind it, who's willing to pitch it. And just looking at the cast page for the first issue of Infinity, there's 50 plus characters there. That is a lot to ask any writer to do. Really hard on Hickman for not focusing on some things, but really there's so much happening in these comics that there's no way he was going to make everyone happy with everything. The fact that this comic is as amazing as it is, is a testament to a lot of talent that made pulling all these different pieces together. Um, so it's, it's hard when you make a story that big, you have to have the scale to fit it. That's a lot of juggling. That's a lot of work for potentially not a lot of payoff because the reason Marvel Cosmic comes in and out of focus all the time is because it doesn't sustain well. It's just, at least to me, that's what it seems like. It's like, you'll have these moments where people are like, yeah, this is really cooking. And you have moments like when DNA come on and they're like, yeah, we, we got this really well. We got this in the bag. Everyone's loving this, but then it just kind of fizzles out and you have an occasional title now and then, but it just doesn't feel like the demand is there all the time for something this big. And 
with how much there is in the Marvel cosmic and how nerdy it can get at times, it's understandable why those can sometimes be harder to get into. But that's, if I had to wager a guess as to why, I think it's a combination of those factors. I would agree with that. I think for space in particular, I think people forget kind of, like you were saying, that the cosmic scale or uh, sales and everything isn't as up to par as it is for other ones. Like Annihilation isn't the rule at all. Because he had Annihilation, which did great, but that was because it was filling a void. Cosmic stuff wasn't happening at Marvel right then at that moment. And so it was a big return to like, oh yeah, we're back. We got this big uh, epic story to like go uh, along with Civil War. So you could like go between the, the two. And it's like, it was two, two huge things were happening. And so then after that, you had like Conquest and like, you know, it's kind of like, raise your hand if you read Conquest. Like ask a nerd if they read Conquest and they're like, what? Like Annihilation Conquest, a sequel to Annihilation. Honestly, a lot didn't. And it's not even like a thing about quality. It's not as good as Annihilation, but that's one not fair. Like we're talking about like a 10 out of 10 comic, but um, it just didn't sustain like Anne was saying. And so then you kind of get like another attempt at like revitalizing uh, the cosmic scale later when uh, Bendis hops on Guardians, which if Guardians is going to sell, it's when Bendis was hopping on during his peak. Like, I think people forget how much Bendis was a sale at a time. And Bendis was on Guardians and X-Men. And he was, like, supposed to, like, bring both of those properties back in a big way. And, you know, arguable for X-Men. But for Guardians, sales were just kind of, like, good enough for the most part. So, and then going to, again, to what Anne said with scale. Scale is just hard to do. Hickman struggles with it in this. I think the only person that really didn't struggle with it was one in Annihilation because he had so many writers and so much big of a scale and tie-ins and everything. He would cover everything. But then Al Ewing made it look super easy with Last Annihilation, but that's not fair. Al Ewing is such a character-driven person that he just took the time to like build up to Last Annihilation, set all the parameters for the team, and selected who was going to be in it based on that and focused on who he would allow in it. So it wasn't like you know 50 different faces, even though it felt that way. So a lot goes into that, and um, I think it's a good thing that we are kind of slowly trickling away from doing a bunch of big events all at one time that are all big game changers. I think it was really nice to have that moment with uh, Empire, where Empire was like an event, and it was kind of big for the summer, but it wasn't like this big grand scale changing thing. They kind of they pitched it a little bit as like this changes everything, but it was really just kind of like a wedding with like some space opera drama. And I thought that was really nice that you could just kind of like hop in, hop out if you wanted to. Didn't have to read all the tie-ins if you didn't want to. It made sense where it was. And same, you also had like little events like Contagion, which I think a lot of people missed, which was another event that was kind of just like, hey, we're having fun. It's like the fall, you know. Here's an event we're selling, and it has like focus on characters like Luke Cage, uh, Danny Rand, Danny Rand's kid who he adopted at the time, Pay Rand. Um, and of course, you have like one of the best events after Secret Wars, which is Monsters Unleashed, which was just another dumb, stupid, like nothing's changing event really, but we're just going to have fun. There's giant kaijus and Avengers are going to fight them. What more do you want? So I think that's the better way. I like that way better. I don't know which one's better for sales uh, per se. Um, and obviously you had like something like Secret Empire happened uh, within this realm after uh, Secret Wars. So you had like big events still too. And I think that there's a lot that I'm missing. But I kind of like this downscale of like not every event needs to be this big, massive and world ending thing. Also, like, yeah, you had King of the Black, too, which was a really, really fun event. And I i don't know if everyone else hated Absolute Carnage or whatever, but I really enjoyed that, too. So I, I just like that the events are kind of becoming more of like 
uh, they're really big for like one or two characters, but for the most part, it's just something that you could skip if you wanted to. It's not going to change a lot of stuff. And at the same time, it's just a fun thing you could like hop into and hop out. I like that. Um, I think that's a good question to end on. Should we roll ourselves out? End credits? Sure. Let me pull up my thing. Um. All right, everyone. If you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find our TikTok account at The Comics Collective, or you find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. Evan, where can the people find you? You can find me on the Twitter sphere at Evan Reads Comics. You can find me on the TikTok at Evan Von Doom. You can also follow, find me and my co-host Dallas Taylor of this podcast on our other podcast, What's Next? Comic Podcast, where every month we go over the monthly solicitations from other comic book publishers, such as Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, and uh, let's say TKO for now because I like TKO. Um, and we just go over the solicitations that they announce and like talk about the comics we're excited about. And hopefully you get excited about them too. And uh, per usual, I'm going to leave you with a recommendation. And if you like Infinity or if you like Thanos, I do recommend not just the Donny Cates Thanos run, but Jeff Lemire had one right before him. And they kind of tie together really nicely. And I think a lot of people forget the Jeff Lemire um, one for some reason, but I really enjoyed it. And it was like probably my third Thanos experience, and it made me a huge fan. And then Donny Cates just closes it so, so well. So I definitely recommend those highly. And another thing that I've been reading is uh, <clears throat> totally unrelated to space and everything. Actually, the exact opposite of this. It's uh, That Texas Blood. And it's a very fun. If you are a big fan of like Ed Brubaker, uh, like what neo-Western stories, crime, noir, That Texas Blood is very good. It's written by Chris Condon. Condon. Condon and uh, uh, artist by Jacob Phillips and they're an amazing team together. It's a fantastic read. Uh, if you like, like I said, like a little slow, bo- slow burn noir, very good. First volumes, good. Second volumes, great. Third volumes, somehow even better. Just keeps going higher and higher. So definitely check those out. And the fourth volume is a flashback Western. Yeah. Which is going to rule. And they said they have 10 stories in total is their plan right now that's i'm excited rules that's a vertigo 60 issue series like yeah who does that anymore that rules good for them if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support please go to apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star written review we'll read off in the show that really does help the show a lot it helps us grow helps get us in front of other people recommend us on social media get the word out about the comics collective baby yeah Tell us we're cute. And you are muted. What a pro. No, I'm not. You're muted. Um, you sure about that? No. I'm never sure about anything. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we'll see y'all next week. We're going to be doing some Squirrel Girl. And Doss is going to yell at me about it because I picked another long one. I don't know how I <laughs> just, keep doing that. I was going to say, just some Squirrel <laughs> Girl. Just a, just a little just bit. Some. We'll decide how many how many issues are in this run. A lot. We can, I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm not doing I 58. We weren't. I'm not doing yeah, 58 issues. I'm not doing it. I love you. I love all the creatives. I'm not doing it. We got to figure something out. You, you'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah. Love you, everybody. Bye. Bye. All. Bye.